Amen. So I'm going to let you open your scriptures to Matthew chapter 25. I'm going to tell the story. I'm not going to read the story to you today, so we'll get to it in just a, a few minutes. I want you to make sure that you read it later this afternoon and go back and read the story of, of Jesus and his parables and, and his teaching and see how it, how it applies in your life and, and do some of that introspection. Um, take some notes. This is week four of series Making change, and I hope you'll take some notes because I think we've found out through this series that we could all stand to make a few changes, especially in our, our resources and our finances and, and how we manage our resources for God's glory. Because everything you have is His. We learned that last week. Everything is His. And, and, and how you manage that, it, it brings Him honor and glory or, or not. You know, one day when I stand before my Heavenly Father, when I step from this life into the next, I... I simply, simply want to hear, well done, son, my faithful servant. Good job, son. You, you, you were faithful with the resources that I trusted to you. And, and really, that's what this series is about. How do we make changes in our lives so that one day when we stand before him, that's exactly what he says to you and to me, the resources that he's given teach and every one of us. So we've looked at some big ideas over these four weeks. Week one, less is more. Do you believe that? Less is more. That better is one handful with tranquility, with peace, not fighting it all the time, not, not fussing all the time about finances, not worrying about it. one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil. I mean, you're working 10 and 12 and 15 hours a day, seven days a week, and you got no time for family, and you got no time for fun, and you got no time to, to live life even. But there's one handful with tranquility and two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. You can't get your hands on it anyway. That's what he's saying. Stress is bad, we learned week number two. Financial stress in particular is bad, and debt is bad, and, and we, learned, we learned that week to say No. Have you been practicing no? To tell the two-year-old inside of each and every one of us, no. Have you had a two-year-old? Do you have a two-year-old? Do you know what a two-year-old acts like? You act like that. When you want something, tell that two-year-old no. Get control of that two-year-old. I said lock them up inside you. Now, don't quote me saying that, all right? Lock that two-year-old up inside you. Don't let that two-year-old control your life. Week three, I really was tempted to preach giving is good. Because last week I preached that sermon, giving was good. Well done, you know. And so it's, all, it's really tempting for a pastor when you preach that sermon. Because the first time I preached on giving in this church 27 years ago, preached the first week and giving went down from the week before and I preached the second week and giving went down from the week before and I preached five weeks of series of sermons on giving and every single week it went down every week I learned from that that maybe five weeks is too much but giving is good isn't it it's just good to be in a place where where you don't just take it all for yourself that you, you actually meet needs. You actually pour into other people's lives um, in, in your world and around our world. together. And then today I want to talk with you about tomorrow matters. Less is more. Stress is bad. Giving is good. Tomorrow matters. 
So let me ask it this way. Begin this way. What's, what's the biggest problem in our generation today? And when I'm talking about our generation, I'm <clears throat> talking about really my kids' generation, millennials' generation, and, and the millennials and their effect on all of us and the culture that really is morphing to the millennial generation. What's, what's the biggest problem we face in our generation that's really native to the millennials? I mean, they've lived with this their entire lives. I, I decided that maybe it's instant gratification. Isn't that what drives the whole experiential mindset in our culture? I've got to have it, and I've got to have it now, and I've got to experience it now. I need to do it. I need to know what that's like now. I want it now. We are so spoiled by now in our culture, aren't we? Our whole culture just revolves around making sure that you have it now. I text a good friend. I expect to see bubbles in minutes. Because you got to understand something. When I text you, I don't want to wait an hour for a response. I didn't text you to wait to the next day. I didn't text you to wait for a week. I'd have sent you mail by snail if I wanted to wait a week. I expect to see bubbles. I mean, when, when I watch my favorite show on Netflix and it buffers... Does that not drive you crazy? Because I want it now. And who ever heard of waiting for a week to watch the next episode anyway, right? I want to binge watch my favorite show. And, it, and the next episode just loads right up. I mean, we, we pay for Prime on Amazon so that I can have it now. Next day, shipping, man, I get it. Two days, and if I could get it tomorrow, you know I'm all for the drone delivery, right? Where I get it now. See, where we're working on, on delivering pizza from Amazon. Is that cool? Yeah, so you just, call, you just text it. You get your pizza delivered to your front door. Get a text that says your pizza's here by drone. Cool. I saved the tip. Probably not. Have to pay for Prime. Yeah, I, I want it now, and that's why it's so difficult for so many in our culture, maybe some of you, to see that tomorrow really does matter. Maybe the most obvious place that this whole phenomenon shows up in our, our lives because we keep track of it, we can actually add it up, is in our finance. You can add up your pennies, right? And you do on a regular basis. And because you do, you can see where your money goes and how it's spent and how it's used. You realize that there was a, an article done by, um, a report done by CNN last year that, that did a survey of, of America and talked about the American people and, and their finances. And one of the, one of the things that I, I picked up on when I looked at it was that currently 76% of all Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. That means that the four people sitting closest to you right now, if three of you lost your jobs, they couldn't make rent this month. Paycheck to paycheck. Now, now understand, I don't want this to be a downer for you if you're struggling financially right now. 
because, because I understand those times in life. I've been there in those times in life, raising a family, working two or three jobs, trying to get it done. Try, and, and I'm not here to heap guilt on. Sometimes just surviving is an accomplishment. I get that. But hear me, the vast majority living today, most of us are living with no regard of tomorrow. See, when you realize that tomorrow matters, you live differently today. That's what I want you to pick up on. That's what I have discovered in my life, and I hope that you'll discover for your life today. Look at it. Scripture says this. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. The wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. That's the Hebrew equivalent of living paycheck to paycheck. And Scripture says that's foolishness. Or, or, or look at Proverbs chapter 6. I love this, this verse, these verses. It says, it says, go to the ant, you sluggard. That's my new favorite word, you sluggard. Used to use slacker, you sluggard. I'm going to find a place to use that, so just be careful talking to me, all right? What you share with me, because I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking to use that. I, that's, that's my favorite word. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider the ways, their ways, or its ways, and be wise. Has no commander, has no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in the summer and gathers its food at harvest. Consider the way of the ant. I mean, what what more simple creature could we go watch, right? It's really this simple. Tomorrow matters. Pay attention. It'll change the way you live today. That's what Jesus was saying when he told the parable in Matthew chapter 25. And I'm not going to read it to you, but I want to tell it to you. You see, because we know the parable, right? We understand it's this, the parable of the talents in Matthew chapter 25. And the talents were just a, a measure of money. So really you could say a bag of gold. And, and a master, master was going away on a trip. And when he was going away, he planned, he planned to, to take care of his financial resources while he was gone. So he went to his servants. And he, he, one servant he called in and he gave the first servant five bags of gold said, here, take care of this for me. And the next servant he called in, he gave two bags of gold. Take care of this wisely. Invest this wisely. And, and the next servant he called in and he gave one bag of gold. Take care of this for me. And then he went away. And we know the story, don't we? Eventually, one day, the master returns. And when the master returns, he asks for his resources he wants to know what his servants had done with his resources. And the first servant came in with five bags of gold and five more because he had invested the five wisely. And the servant he had given two bags of gold to came in with two extra bags of gold. He had doubled the money of his master because he invested wisely. And the third servant came in who he had given one bag of gold who had gone out and buried that one bag of gold in the ground someplace because he knew his master was a harsh master. And he brought his dirty one bag of gold in and gave it to the master. And you know what Jesus said, don't you? And first he said, first, first he, he said to, to the servants, you, you who are, are faithful with little, 
will be blessed with more. And, and then he, he turned to the one who just brought the one bag back and said, you wicked, lazy servant. Look what you've done with my resources. Nothing. And that struck a chord in me. Will I stand before my Savior Jesus one day and have him say, well done. Good and faithful servant. I trusted you with a little and you were faithful so I was able to trust you with more. See, the faithful servant multiplied what he was given because he understood that tomorrow matters. And when you understand that tomorrow matters, it changes the way you live today. It changes the way you resource your life, how you manage the resources like we learned last week that God has placed in your life. It's all his. For his glory through your life. Some might think that it's an odd topic. Investment on a Sunday morning in church. Kind of a strange thing to talk about. But you know that Jesus talked about money more than he talked about heaven or hell? You realize that? More than he talked about prayer, he talked about money. I mean, it's just replete in Scripture with this concept of manage our resources well so that we bring honor and glory to God so we look different than everybody else. So how does God bring resource into our lives? A couple of ways, right? If you think about it. Just two ways that he brings resource into your life. One is, is people make money. And money makes money. People make money. You go to work every day. Sometimes literally every day. Because we're living paycheck to paycheck. and We've got to make more. And, and, and you go to work and you work your 40 or your 50 or your 60 hours a week. And you're slaving away and you're wondering what life is and if it's really all about this. And you're making money and then money makes money. Which is my preferred way of making money, by the way. How about you? In fact, that's what Scripture said. Jesus said in, in this very parable, he says, The man who received five bags of gold, went at once and put his money to work for him, for his master, right? He was a good steward, and he gained five more bags of gold. So, so when God trusts you with something, you have a choice, don't you? When he trusts you with the resources that you get, whether you get paid monthly, you get paid Every week, you get paid every other week. Whenever, whenever you receive the resources, however he brings them into your life, whatever he has trusted you with, when God trusts you with those resources, you have a choice of what to do with it. That's the meaning of the parable in the three servants. They each have, had options of what to do with the money. You can do what m- most do. 76% do. Spend it all. I mean, you can do that, and if you, you go out and you spend it all, when you spend it all, then you've got nothing. It's gone. On the other hand, you, you can spend some, all for that, 
you know, make sure that your, your needs and your needs of your family are met. You can give some. We, we heard about that last week. Giving is good. And when you finally get to a place where you're not taking all of it and, and just consuming everything and you begin to give some, it really feels good. And that's something that maybe you'll want to do even more because you're making a difference in your world. You can give some. You can spend some. And then maybe, maybe you can invest some what God puts into your life and invest it wisely. That's the lesson of the parable to, to put it someplace where your money makes money for you. Multiply what you have and, and I, I just wonder if maybe then God will look at the resources that you have as you multiply those resources and say, oh, so I see you've been faithful with, with a little. Maybe, maybe I can trust you with more. But most of us, honestly, don't know how to invest. Never was taught in high school. I don't remember it being taught in high school. Never, never was taught, at least not in, the, in, in, in college or in seminary or any of that for me. Nobody sat me down and said, when you, when you start getting paid, start making these steps, start doing these things. So what do we do? We go to school, we get out of school, we get a job, and we try to pay our bills the rest of our lives. And then some 40 years later, when we've paid our bills, what are we doing? Nobody ever told me that tomorrow matters. So how in the world are we going to learn it? Now, first things first. I should probably say, it might be obvious to you by now, I'm not a financial investment advisor, all right? Don't have those credentials, don't want those credentials, not going to go back to school and get those credentials. So so I'm not going to tell you how to invest your money today. That would not be wise of me nor of you (laughs) to listen to me, all right? Just so you know, we got that figured out. But I can give you some biblical principles on making investment, on what it looks like to make investments. I, I do have some understanding of what Scripture is trying to teach us, and that's what I want you to do. And this is, this is certainly about financial investment, but, but this is about all investment, everywhere, in every, every place that we invest our lives. These can apply. So here we go. Investing principle number one. Don't invest in things you don't understand. Don't invest in things you don't understand. Now, just a second, let's step away again from the idea of finances to the concept of relationship. Guys, just because you don't understand women does not mean you should not invest in flowers this Tuesday. All right? Just trust me, you'll never understand, but it's a wise investment. All right, now back. That, that, that might be the only caveat to this, this truth of understand, all right? That, that'd be it. Scripture says this, look at it. it. Tells us to understand. It says, by wisdom, a house is built, and through understanding, it's established. Through knowledge. If I don't understand, I'm going to go find out and dig and dig and dig until I do understand, until I get the knowledge to understand. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. Through understanding, I invest. I, I don't invest in what I don't understand. I remember learning this growing up. 
remember watching my dad invest. I remember sometime I was in high school probably, you know, so the kids were growing up and, and he was making a little more money than, than he had previously made. And, you know, when people, I watched my dad work hard. People say to me, oh, pastors work so hard. I don't want pastor. I don't want to, pastors don't work hard. I shouldn't admit that, I know. But, but my dad worked hard. I mean, he was a good man, and he put lots of time and energy into his family, and every, all his resources went for his family. I mean, he went every day before light to work, and every day he came home after dark, and the whole day long he, he ran a backhoe or pushed pipe in the, in the ground, you know? He worked hard in the, in the mud and the cold and the rain and the snow all year long. So, so I understand when I look at his life that... I don't, I don't work so hard. He, he did. But I remember when he, he decided that he was going to make some investment. And I remember seeing my dad invest in some stocks one time. I don't know why he invested in the stocks. Somebody told him it was a good thing. You could make money in the stock market. I have an uncle who made a lot of money in the, in the stock market. You know, some years ago, he bought a little dinky, no one new company by, Star, by the name of Starbucks. You know, it's like dumb luck. That's what it was. But my dad kind of saw that and he thought, well, maybe, you know, he, he'd make some investments and, and take care of his, his family and looking toward tomorrow. And he didn't understand it. But he felt like he needed to do it. You ever been there? So he did it. I don't know how much he put into it, but he lost his shirt. I mean, everything gone he was so frustrated by it I don't know how much he even lost but it was enough to teach me the lesson if I don't understand it I don't invest in it don't invest in what you don't understand and I praise God that my dad was humble enough to share that with me he had made a mistake and cost him dearly. And the truth of the matter is, he could have spent $1,000 on Coke, enjoyed the Coke, saved the cans, passed those on to his heirs, and I'd have had more money in the Coke cans today than I have in the stocks that he invested in. I guess that's why they say sometimes the best investment is the one you don't make. Hmm. If I don't understand it, I'm not going to invest in it. I'm going to get knowledge. I'm going to gain understanding before I dump a bunch of money anywhere because it's God's resource. And I want to stand before him one day and have him proud of the way I've managed his resources. And he returns for me. Investment principle number two. Don't put all your eggs in the same basket. Didn't grandma say that to you? Didn't your mom say that to you? Don't put all your eggs in the same basket. Well, the Bible says that too. Go figure. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, we read, Divide your investments among many places, for you do not know the risk or the risks that might lie ahead of you. I mean, it's, it's talking about diversification, right? It's talking about putting dollars in different places. A little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here. Put it in places so that if, if it... If one of them tanks, don't lose it all. That's not wise. So I'm going to make wise investments and mitigate the risks so I don't lose my shirt. 
I was, I was watching this past week a, uh, an episode on Netflix or something, you know, waiting for, waiting for it, watching, watching that little thing spin. But no, I was watching uh, an, an episode of uh, Alaska, the last frontier, final frontier, whatever it is, the last frontier, I think it is. And the old man on there was uh, needing to grow some grass in the field. So they sent the cows to the end of the, the bay and, and he had to fertilize. So he was going to have to fix a manure spreader that he hadn't used, ever used. It was just in a pile of you know, junk metal, but he, he, he drug it out and he fixed the manure, manure spreader. And, and, and that way he could spread the manure on the field and, and replant and reseed and, and take care of it. And it got me thinking about, you know, that's a lot like investing. It's kind of what we're talking about today. That investing is really a lot like that manure. If you pile it up, what does it do? Big pile of manure just stinketh, right? Yeah, it just stinks. That's what it does. But if you spread it around, it actually makes things grow. And I think that's true of our resources. It's about mitigating the risks. So what are we going to do? I'm not going to invest in it if I don't understand it. I'm going to diversify, number two. I'm not going to put all my eggs in the same basket, number three. The last thing I want to say to you, I'll spend a little more time on this. Principle three, don't, don't try to get rich quick. Don't, don't try to get rich quick. Paul speaking with the young, young Timothy, and, and I would say to you, you know, young people need mentors. So those of us who have invested and maybe have made mistakes, like my dad, maybe ought to share our mistakes with some of those 19, 20-year-olds so they don't make the same mistakes because if there's any wisdom to be had in life, the greatest wisdom that human beings are capable of is not doing the wrong thing they saw somebody else do. See, if, if I'm anything, I'm wise enough not to step in that if you just did. All right? And so let's, let's be willing to, to share and be a little vulnerable and, and, and humble yourself. That's what Paul was doing to this young Timothy when he said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, those who want to get rich quick fall into temptation. It's a trap. And into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. I don't want to go there. That sounds pretty miserable. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. What's he saying? He's saying to this young man, this young Timothy, when you get greedy, you're not objective. When I get greedy, I am no longer objective. I can't see clearly the way I ought to go. There's not much wisdom in that at all. When you want it now, you don't make wise decisions. You hear that? When you want it now, you don't make wise decisions. You'll end up falling into a trap, he says. You'll, you'll put your, your foot in that trap. You'll find yourself in trouble. And really, you're spiritually vulnerable to the evil one who, who will lure you off the path of pursuing Christ. And you'll land in ruin. You'll land in destruction. Paul says, Timothy... 
If you pursue only money, you'll get yourself into a world of hurt. It's foolishness. It's foolishness. You ever, you ever had somebody bring you a foolish idea? Some friend come to you with, with one of those opportunities of a lifetime? Right? I know some of you have. You shared those truths with me. I know that it happens and, and they come to you and, and they're so excited that they're going to borrow 50K from, from their equity in their home and 50K from their dad so they can sink it into this new company and they, and they really can't explain it to you. Ding, 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 ding. Warning number one. But it's this international investment that's this amazing thing. Ding, 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 right? Warning number two. Can't even talk to anybody about it. And it's going to pay me, get this, $20,000 a month. I mean, I can go spend some time on mission in Cancun. Just imagine what I could give to the church. Warning. What do we know? Oh yeah. When something seems too good to be true. Probably is. Yeah, probably is. So, you know, a couple thoughts. Just say no. If it sounds too good to be true, just say no. Now, I realize that sometimes you say no to Starbucks. You know, that's life, right? You can't hit it out of the park every single time. If I don't understand it, and it looks too good to be true, it probably is. I think I'm just going to say no. And week two, we practiced even saying no. Have you been practicing saying no? Hope so. And, and then what I, number two, I would say to you, beg your friend not to. Beg your, if they're a friend, beg them not to get involved. Even if they say, but it's real, I promise. Probably not. See, see, the problem with investing is that too many of us are sprinters. Too many of us in our culture want it now. That's the plague of our age. We want it now, that immediate gratification. But investing is a marathon. It's not a sprint. The Bible even says that. It says, dishonest money dwindles away, but whoever gathers money, get this, little by little by little by little makes it grow. Not going to happen overnight, folks. Going to take some time. In fact, if you look at that, that really is the, the biblical formula for investing. If you wanna, want wisdom, here it is. Money plus consistency in putting that money in, plus time. Oh, time. If you're young people, time is on your side. Someday it won't be on your side anymore, but right now it's on your side. Do not let your teenager get their first job and fail to put their first $167 away. Because at 19, I already told you that, at 19 years of age, with, with compounding interest, that monster of compounding interest, they will be a multimillionaire when they retire. Unlike me. Unlike some of you. Because nobody told me that when I was 19. Please let our young people know these things because then we will be free to do what God has for us to do with the rest of our lives. 
money plus consistency plus time equals wealth. And I hope that you don't have a bad taste in your mouth about that. You know, your kids being wealthy. Wealth, wealth isn't a bad thing. I mean, when you're wealthy, you can do some good things with it. It's, it's really tragic, I think, the, the culture that we live in today because in our country there are people who hate wealthy people. But hear me, it's a lot easier to do good when you've got something to do good with. And there's some amazing things that, that believers across this land are doing because they can because they're resourced well enough to do so. Money plus consistency plus time equals wealth. And when you have that, you can do some amazing good. Some people teach it simply like this. 10, 10, 80. 10% you give, 10% you invest, 80% you live on. Start there. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to start you need to understand, but understand that much. It, and even, even a, a marginal investment will pay off over time. Consistency. See, what I'm saying to you is, as far as I can tell, when I look at Scripture and I, and I read all this that's in here about, about money and resources that God has, has given to you and me, when, as far as I can tell, when, when you're faithful with a little that God gives you, and, and you grow it like, like those servants did, it's actually pleasing to God. When you're faithful with the little and you actually grow it, it's pleasing to God. And one day he will say, well, good job. You, you manage the resources that I put in your life well. In fact, I, I want to give you a pop quiz this morning to see where you are if you're ready to do this. You ready to do this? Here's your pop quiz. Would you rather have a million dollars right now today before you walk out of this building? Put it in a briefcase, let you carry it out with you. Put it in your car, take it home with you today. A million dollars. Would you rather have a million dollars today or a penny today? Let it double tomorrow and double for the next 30 days. Who wants a million? Chickens, nobody's going to bite. Who, who wants the penny? Yeah? Oh, you're some wise people. You're, I, I tried to do that math on my, on my, well, on my, my calculator on my phone, in fact. Couldn't get it done. Dean, I, I shared that illustration, and Dean was sitting back in the back. You know, you could see his little math mind going crazy, and it was fun. Trying to figure that. You realize that you can walk out of here with a million dollars, but if you'll, you'll take the penny, tomorrow you'll get two cents. Next day you'll get four cents. The next day you'll get eight. The next day you'll get 16. The next day you'll get 32. Then you'll get 64. Do the math. In 30 days, you would wind up with $5.3 million. Just by being patient. Just, just by waiting for it. Just by that consistency. And, and oh, by the way, you know, 90% of people in America choose the million. Get rich quick. See, when you understand that tomorrow matters, it'll change how you live your life today. I'll tell you a story about my life. When I, I first went through Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University, and I promise that we're going to do that sometime this year for you. 
that we can get some of these these ideas down because I'm not the guy to give them to you, but he is. He can tell you how to, how to buy insurance. He can tell you how to invest your money. He can tell you how to get out of debt. It works, too, can I just say. But the first time I heard him talk, um, I was a little discouraged. I mean, I hadn't been investing much in tomorrow. I don't know. I'd, I was 48, 49, 50 years of age here at the church. Been pastoring a small church in the Northwest for 20 years then, the first 15 years, weren't particularly um, wealthy. <laughs> in, in fact, I had two jobs, and my wife had a job, and it wasn't because we liked to work, because we liked to eat. And, and, and so, you know, I was a little discouraged that I hadn't, especially when I heard him, I hadn't put much away for the future. I, I was busy trying to pay the bills. I was busy trying to pay for the house. I was busy, you know, and... And I felt a little beat down by it when he started talking about investing money and what you ought to be doing. And, and here I am, 50 years old, and I hadn't been doing it. And you really need to start when you're 19. Well, 50 is a long ways from 19, yeah? And, and, and so I was, I, was, I was kind of bummed. I'd saved so little for tomorrow. But, but can I say we went to work on it? I'm 57. I'm out of debt. I'm putting a lot of money away. Saving for tomorrow. Making sure that, that things are ready. I, I, I want to I, I I see if today you'll decide that. I, w- I want you to see that, that if this message bums you out like it did me when I, when I was listening to Ramsey... What I want you to see is that was then. This is the rest of the story. And, and maybe your life is in the then. And, and you're struggling just to make ends meet. But can I say to you, if you'll, if you'll begin to wisely manage the resources that God has given to you. I just believe that, that when you take that, that step of faith toward him. He's ready to step towards you. He's ready to bless your life. And that that will be chapter one. But this is now the rest of the story. And I'm not, I'm not, uh, well, I I would say I am out of debt and I am investing in tomorrow and, and I am giving and I got no worries. That's blessing. Consistency over time, doing the right thing, and God will meet you. And little by little, you'll, you'll start doing better. And little by little, you'll pay that thing off. And little by little, you're even more generous. And then you make your first investment. And then you put money aside for retirement. And 50 years... I'm sorry, in in years from now, maybe it is 50 years for some of you, you'll you'll be able to retire. You'll be able to retire from a day-to-day, 40 hours, 50 hours, 60 hours a week, living your life. You'll be able to retire from all that and do ministry. And you'll be able to retire from that and do missions. You'll be able to retire from that 
and live generously toward others exactly how God has lived towards you. You'll be able to live like no one else you know. So please understand me. My prayer for you is that you would be a good investor. And don't for a second think I'm talking just about money. I pray that you would be a great investor when it comes to relationship. Jesus invested in 12 men. And oh, by the way, we're here because of those relationships. I pray that you'd be a good, a great investor in your marriage, that you would be rich in the intimacy of knowing someone and being known by them. I pray you'd be, be a great investor when it comes to family, that one day your kids will actually grow up and serve their Lord with their lives. What an amazing thing that would be. I pray you'd be a great investor when it comes to friendships, that you'd have this rich spiritual community around you, that you're never alone. You've always got someone's back. You've always got someone who's got your back in every circumstance of your life. I pray that you'd be a good investor in your church and generously pour your gifts and your resources into your church because your church is making a difference. Here and around the world, I pray that you be a great investor and steward wisely the resources that God has given to you so that one day, like Malachi promises, you'll, you'll wake up and you'll realize, I'm blessed. Wow. I'm blessed. And, and you'll know who blessed you. And you'll know it's not all for you.